Morning. Man, that was weak. Good morning. There, come on, let's get with it. We're going to praise the Lord this morning if you wouldn't mind standing with us. Welcome to Crossbridge in Marshfield. There's 
up and going and are you tired this morning you shouldn't be after that right all right let's wake up and get with it all right let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll have our welcoming time Lord Jesus I thank you God this morning that we can gather here uh, Lord to worship you this morning worship you for what you did for us on the cross Lord which should be on our our lips our our and our heart every single week at every minute the Lord without you we're nothing and so Lord we worship you today and we want to point people to you today and uh, Lord, I, I'm thankful for our worship team. Lord, I look around, I see the church all decorated nice for fall and, and the, uh, the, the wedding shower after today. And there's just so many people that work behind the scenes in this uh, congregation, Lord, uh, serving you and serving other people. And so, Lord, I'm thankful for them this morning. I'm thankful for everyone that's here this morning, Lord, to worship you. So, Lord, today let us worship you in spirit and truth. And in everything we do, we're pointing people to you. It's not about us. It's not about any individual here. It's all about you. We love you, God, and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
Thank you, guys. You may be seated. I was just telling somebody, uh, a visitor this morning, that our church, if you're a visitor here this morning, um, we're kind of a, to let you know about our church, we're you know, real casual, laid back, but we're more like a country church, because I grew up in a country church. I grew up in a church of about 75 to 100. I said, we're really a country church in the middle of Marshfield, and I'm really, <laughs> we are, and I'm really proud of you guys today, because usually two Sundays when hardly anyone's here. Opening weekend of deer season, nobody's here, including me, I'm usually having somebody fill in for me, and the weekend of Farm Fest, and we got a good crowd for the weekend of Farm Fest, so I'm proud of you guys this morning for, uh, for coming. All right, so big day today, uh, after morning service, ladies, you have uh, the shower for Sierra, the wedding shower for Sierra, so um, feel free to stay and go to that, and I don't know what all they have planned, but it's really decorated nice down there, so stay uh, for that shower. Uh, fellas, we get to go <laughs> shoot some guns after church. So hopefully you brought your shotgun because we have a skeet shoot this afternoon. If you didn't bring your shotgun and you want to come, we got plenty of shotguns. So come and shoot some skeet. I think Steve bought like 600 skeet. I bought another 100 and a whole bunch of shells. So come and shoot. And he's going to grill hamburgers. So, I mean, the ladies are going to do their thing. If you're a guy, don't go to the wedding shower. Come shoot skeet, okay? If you go to the wedding shower, we're going to make you turn in your man card probably, all right? <laughs> come, come shoot some skeet. So that's today after the... 
I probably got in trouble because there's probably some guy here that's planning on going to the shower. I'm just teasing, okay, if you are. But, uh, yeah, hang out with us today. It'll be a fun day. So here's kind of a church schedule for you if you're, if you're visiting us this morning. Uh, and maybe you haven't came on Wednesday nights. But Wednesday nights we have dinner every Wednesday night with one another at 6 o'clock. So we have cooking teams that cook dinner. Uh, we don't want you to have to worry about feeding the kids on Wednesday night and getting around. So come at 6 o'clock for dinner. At 6.45 our classes start. We have kids, nurses nursery, youth, and adult Bible study uh, every Wednesday night that goes from 6.45 to 7.45 on Wednesday nights. Saturday nights, uh, if you know somebody that's struggling with drugs, drug or alcohol addiction or they're just lost, we have an evangelistic service every Saturday night. Uh, we have dinner at 5.30 and the service starts at 6. And so what we're doing every Saturday night here uh, is preaching the gospel. Uh, and we'll preach the gospel all the time, but it's primarily a service to try to reach a lost and dying world. Last Sunday afternoon, I thought it went really good. We had a big outreach at the park on a highway. I don't know how many we fed. Jody Bridge, how many we feed? Two or 300 probably? Two or 300 people. We had a great worship service. Uh, we got to share the gospel with numerous people, so it was a, it was a good time uh, last Sunday. So Mike, you did a really good job of putting that uh, together. Also, uh, a couple other things on, oh, men's Bible study. Men's and women's Bible study tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, so men's and women's Bible study tonight at the church at 6 p.m. The ladies also have another Bible study on Monday nights at 6 uh, here at the church. So ladies, you got a couple options on Bible study uh, this week. We also have grief share. So if you know of somebody who has lost a loved one uh, and is struggling with that loss, we have grief share here at the church every Thursday night uh, from 6 to 8 uh, p.m. Uh, here's the, uh, an update on the shoebox ministry. We're getting down to this. Operation Christmas Child is what it's called. Uh, we are in need of hygiene items. So it sounds like we've gotten a whole bunch of toys, but we haven't packed them any soap or toothbrushes. We're, we worry about the fun stuff. I get it. But we do need some hygiene items, right? So soap, washcloths, toothbrush, deodorant, um, nail files, hairbrushes, uh, and then some toy items for both younger and older children. So what this is, it's through Operation Christmas Child through uh, Samaritan's Purse. It's run by Franklin Graham. We pack shoe boxes every November, and they get sent out all over the world to, to kids that get to open these that don't literally, they're living in poverty. A lot of them just aren't even, I mean, they don't even have homes to live in. And they open these, and boy, it is like, it just makes their day. And it's an opportunity uh, to share the gospel with them. They put gospel tracts in them. It's a Christian organization. So please uh, bring those in. We need them by November 8th. So that's going to be here before we know it. Uh, drop them off downstairs, th those items in the kids' classroom. Also something that we're adding uh, to the announcements today, Wednesday, October 25th. Uh, every year around uh, at the end of October, we have what we call a Happy Hallelujah Night. It is going to be the same as last year. So what we're going to do is, if you remember, we had people sign up and sponsor tables. So we're going to do the same thing this year. You'll sponsor a table, uh, come up with candy and games. Here is the sign-up sheet for that. If you would like to be a team member and have a table, um, we'll pass it around uh, this morning. Please sign up for that. And then... Uh, even if you don't want to be a team member, they need to bring candy in, correct? Yeah, so start bringing in bags of candy. Um, don't leave it in my office or we may not have any for Halloween, okay, for the Happy Hallelujah. So don't do that, uh, but start bringing that in uh, for, for that. So next Sunday is also, 
Boy, fall. We got a lot going on in the fall. I'm excited about next Sunday, too. Next Sunday, we're celebrating 20 year, the 20-year anniversary of Crossbridge. So there'll be a slide that morning in the morning service. And the first pastor who ever pastored the church is going to be here uh, preaching the word next week. So I'm really excited about that. And then in the afternoon, starting at 2.30 in the afternoon, we're going to Steve and Dana's for what we call Fall Fest. And that is where we sit around and have chili and soup and have a big bonfire and... I don't know. They're, what else do they do? I, Dan, you want to announce about this? You and Jeannie, are it, you want an announcement about that? Kind of say what's going on. But it starts at 2.30 uh, next Sunday afternoon, and their address is up there. That's the same address for the skeet shoot today, too, 2401 Turnbow. Okay, Jeannie refuses to come up and talk. Jeannie refuses <laughs> to come up. Okay, so next week at 2.30 starts the kickball. And then 3 o'clock is the food judging, so for the um, soup and chili. If you guys haven't signed up, we have a sign-up sheet. Um, it'll be sitting just outside. Right now we have 20 people signed up, which is amazing. Um, and then we also have um, cornhole. So if you want to be in the cornhole tournament, as soon as you show up to the house, we'll have a sign-up sheet so that you can sign up there. This year it's single elimination because last year it took way too long. <laughs> Poor Crystal on that one. Um, and then Tommy is going to be running an apple peeling contest and something else. So if you want to be in the apple peeling contest. An outdoor what? Apple peeling. Apple peeling. Okay, okay. All right. So um, if you have your favorite knife or something that you want to do the apple peeling contest, bring it. Um, and then he'll probably do something else too. And then Bess is going to be running some games too. Those will be fun. We'll get Jeff out there doing something funny. And but then, we get to judge, the elders get to judge the soups and chilies, right? Whatever you want. <laughs> I think we set it's that rule, It's up to y'all. Right? I don't care. It's all up to you guys. Okay. And then if you guys don't mind, we'd love if you guys could bring like an appetizer or um, desserts or something. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So next, next week will be big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a hayride and pumpkins and stuff. Hayride and pumpkins, too. Okay. This is going to go from like 2.30 into the evening. So just bring your lawn chair and come, and we'll have a really, really good time. So we have moved Thanksgiving dinner. This is how important deer season is, guys. We moved Thanksgiving dinner. Crossbridge Thanksgiving dinner is going to be uh, November 5th. That's a Sunday at 5 p.m. So Sunday, November 5th at 5 p.m., uh, we'll have Thanksgiving dinner together. What else I got on here? Prayer team. The prayer team, we're going to be talking about prayer today. Um, the prayer team meets uh, on Wednesday nights at 545. If you would like to join the prayer team and be a part of that, and pray through our prayer list and pray over prayer requests, do that. And then women's coffee uh, this week is Wednesday at 8.30 a.m. at Grillo's. Women's coffee, 8.30 a.m. At, uh, at Grillo's. And then the men's prayer breakfast is Saturday, October 21st uh, at 8 a.m. at Grillo's. So what else? Yes, Alan. At 6, prayer time starts at 6. So do you, and then you guys pray and then come down and eat. Okay, so prayer time's at 6, not 545. I'll correct that. All right, anything else this morning? I know we had a ton of announcements. Did I forget anything? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering and have our time of worship before we jump into God's Word together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll bless the morning offering today. Lord Jesus, I thank you again. 
just for the opportunity, Lord, to be here today and to give you our best as we, uh, as we take up the morning offering today. Use it to further your kingdom, God. Let us always be outwardly focused, not inwardly focused uh, on ourselves, but trying to reach a lost and dying world locally, supporting our missionaries around the world. And in everything, Lord, we give you the praise and you the glory. In your name I pray. Amen.
That's our job. Our job is not to perform. Our job is to facilitate, and you guys do a wonderful job. The, the kids, uh, second grade and below, can go downstairs to Children's Church. If you would, please remain standing. Let's honor God's word together. Uh, we're jumping out of the Old Testament, out of Genesis this week, because uh, this is something we, our, our elders really wanted to focus on. I talked about it Wednesday night. We're going to talk about it again today. It's Matthew chapter 6. So if you would turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. The title of today's sermon is A Praying Church. Jesus is the example. Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 13. It says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, I thank you, Lord, this morning. For your word, I thank you for the opportunity, God, to be here to preach your word today. And this is a subject, God, that um, many of us absolutely just feel like failures at. So I pray today that, yes, there's conviction, but there's encouragement, and that we realize just absolutely how vitally important it is, Lord, to pray and, and to seek you in everything that we do. And God, we give you the praise and glory this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I told... Um, uh, the Wednesday night class that 
Um, every year, uh, all the elders, well, I mean, we get together every Sunday, but there's a special time every year that we get together, and we talk about, like, hey, what can we do better as leaders of the church? What, what, how are we doing? And then what can we do better on? And, and one thing kept coming up over and over, uh, and, and the whole reason why elder, the position of elders, or excuse me, the position of deacons was created was so that elders could spend more time in prayer. If you remember, um, there weren't deacons. And in Acts, um, some people were bringing requests to the elders to oversee a food distribution program. And the, the, the apostles met and they said, hey, you know, this is an important ministry, but we're supposed to spend time in prayer and in the teaching of the word. And so they created the office of deacon, which are the physical servants of the church. And I really appreciate all of our deacons. They work really, really hard in serving our, our body to give the elders more time for prayer and the study of the word. And so it's very, very important that we as elders spend time in prayer. We pray every Sunday morning as a group for this church, but also uh, at individual time. But this is also not only vitally important uh, for elders, it's vitally important for the church. And so we talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. Um, and so I'm just taking a small break from Joseph this week. Uh, we've, been, we've been talking, studying about Joseph's life um, in the Old Testament to, to talk about this today. Um, so... How many of you have ever been to Israel? It's like one of the things I really want to do. Anybody in here ever been to Israel? Okay, uh, it's like kind of a bucket list item, like go and see and walk. And in Israel, they have these, um, they, somebody came up with a few years ago, it's a 40-mile hiking path that they call the Jesus Trail. And what you can do is you can hire a guide, you download this GPS coordinates, and you literally follow some of the exact routes that Jesus would have taken. Uh, and it's meant to be hiked in like four days, so it's about... 10 miles a day. You can start off on the trail in Nazareth. You sleep in towns where Jesus lived as a young boy. Uh, you hike this trail. There's occasional guest houses along it. You carry tents with you and you, and you sleep outside along this path. I'm not sure Selena would like that. That's probably a solo trip. She's saying no way. Huh? Um, but a lot of the tour buses only stop when you're in Israel at the holy sites. But this path is actually... You're meant to follow the steps that Jesus would have taken. Uh, and you look at the land as you're walking. You walk where Jesus walked. I think it'd be really cool to experience exactly where Jesus walked. Um, now, that's just kind of that's just tourism and that sightseeing. But if you and I really today want to walk as Jesus walked, one of the most important things that he did is he spent time in prayer. We have to learn to live exactly how Jesus lived. And this is one of the most uh, prominent parts of Jesus' life was his prayer life. If you look at the four Gospels, you're going to find that in 17 different times we see that Jesus prayed. He prayed in the morning, he prayed late at night, and he also would pray all through the night. He prayed at the beginning of his ministry. He prayed before he chose his 12 disciples. He prayed before he would do uh, before he would heal vast crowds. He prayed before he fed the crowd of 5,000 men and women and children. He prayed before bringing Lazarus back to life. Uh, he prayed before his transfiguration. He prayed at the Mount of Olives right before he was being portrayed. Uh, and he also prayed while he was on the cross. Now Jesus 
is sitting at the Father's right hand, interceding on our behalf. So if I really want to follow the example of Jesus in my life, and I believe all of us brothers and sisters do this morning, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to follow his example. Um, We're going to have to learn to pray and to kneel just like Jesus did. And, and many times when we talk about prayer, the first thing that comes up, uh, and we really don't like talking about it, is because we get really guilty about it. Right, right off the bat, the number one thing is we usually say, well, I don't pray enough, or I'm not good at it. Uh, I, I asked Wednesday night how many people had the spiritual gift of prayer, and I think one person may have raised their hands, right? So it's one of those things that we know um, we should do, but it, we, we struggle with it. I don't know if you, any of you remember the, the old hymn, Ace. I don't know if Ace remembers this one, but it's called A Sweet Hour of Prayer. And I think that's really deceiving because it should be like a sweet few minutes of prayer for a lot of people and not an hour, right? Um, because it seems like sometimes we only get a few minutes each day. And a lot of good Christians will just beat themselves up over because they don't spend as much time in prayer as they'd like to. Uh, and, and so I don't want to necessarily focus on the time that you spend in prayer. I think that's important, obviously. But I think the problem really is, is that we as Christians many times see prayer as an obligation, We see it as something that you have to do instead of something that we have the honor and the privilege and that we get to do. We should see it as an honor and privilege and not as an obligation. So for this, I I want you to think about this this morning. I want us to substitute another word for prayer uh, this morning. I want us to think about this in terms of everybody in here probably has a smartphone. A cell phone, right? Everybody has a cell phone. Uh, I'll, I'll show you mine. There's nothing fancy about it, uh, but this is, it, it can pretty much, it's an iPhone. I'm an iPhone guy. I'm not an Android guy. I'm an iPhone guy. Uh, but you can do all sorts of things with these smartphones these days. Literally, I run businesses off of a little phone. There's apps that I use, and I can use QuickBooks to check things, and there's different apps you can use for customers. I mean, it's just crazy. You can play games on it. Uh, There's calendars on here where I can set reminders for meetings, for church events to announce them. Um, You can get on the Internet. You can buy clothes. I mean, I hate shopping. I don't want to go to the mall. So most of the time, or if I need a new shirt or something, I'll order it online. And then if it comes in and it doesn't fit, what I have a habit of doing is taking it to Selena and saying, hey, can you somehow return this? And she figures out how to return it. Because I don't want to go to the mall, and I just don't like messing with all that. But when I think about this, how often do you think I worry about how little I use my phone? Does anybody worry about how little they use their phone? Well, they don't. Nobody worries about that at all. In fact, most people worry about, we teach our kids, I tell my kids all the time, get off of your phone, you're on your phone too much. Selena will tell me sometimes, get off of your phone and turn it off, you're on your phone too much. In fact, all the plans now, used to when cell phones first came out, they had plans that would limit the amount of time you could spend on the phone or how much internet. Now I think pretty much everybody has what? unlimited plans, uh, and nobody has that anymore, because without an unlimited plan, we'd pay a whole bunch of money. But here's, here's my point. Why do I use my cell phone as much as I do? Why do we use our cell phones? Well, is it because I feel guilty if I don't use it enough? 
No, that's ridiculous, right? Do I, do I use it because I feel like it's an obligation? Well, I'm obligated to use my cell phone. No, no. I use the cell phone, and I'm going to put it up because I have a, ha- I have a feeling somebody on here tried to call me or text me during the sermon. I had a buddy at the church I grew up with. Anytime I'd preach a, a sermon there, he would intentionally try to call me during the sermon just to aggravate me. Um, but, but why do I use the cell phone? Because I understand its value. It has value in running my business. It has value in communicating with people. You see, if we see prayer, though, as a religious obligation, you got to do it because it's what religious folks do, then we're going to end up being like the pagans that Jesus talked about. We shouldn't see it as an obligation. We should see this as a, we have the honor and the privilege to pray to the creator of the universe, to speak with him. In fact, many religions, many religions across the world, it's pretty much mandatory uh, that they pray. Muslims will pray five times a day. You know what happens with their prayers? For one, they're a false religion. But two, it's nothing more than they're reciting the same thing. They, what they do is they memorize it and they recite it from memory. It's a religious obligation from them. For one, they're not, they're, they're not communicating with a true God. But it's nothing more than heart. It's just They aren't heartfelt pleas. They're just religious commitments. Do we really think that that's the way Jesus prayed? No way. Do you think that Jesus prayed out of religious obligation? Do you think he prayed because he thought it was some kind of fulfill? He thought it was a commitment that he had to fulfill? No. Jesus didn't pray to fulfill some kind of obligation. Jesus prayed because he felt he needed to pray. It was something that he needed to do. Jesus needed to pray. And the fact is in how he prayed... Many times, Jesus would get up by himself and go and pray all by himself. Sometimes he would pray at night all by himself. Nobody else around, just him and the Father. He would weep. He wept when he prayed, Scripture shows us. And once, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in more detail, when he prayed, he actually was sweating blood. Sweating blood. He didn't do it for show. He did it because he needed to pray. Now that brings up a question. Why would Jesus need to pray though? I mean, Jesus is God. Why would he on earth, why would he need to pray? Out of anyone, why would God need to pray? Why would, why would God need, let's look at it. Philippians 2, I want to answer that real quick. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. This is, this is and I'm going to get, it ties into exactly why we need to pray. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says this, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus literally set, his, set aside his, his God, the, him being God, to come down to earth. He surrendered his divinity and allowed himself to be clothed in human flesh. 
So he gave up the safety of heaven and exposed himself to what we go through. To hunger, thirst, pain, and sorrow. When Jesus became human, it wasn't like him putting on some kind of costume. It wasn't like he was pretending to be something he wasn't. He set aside who he was to become what we are. He was literally God in human flesh. So he dealt with all the same things, the worries, the anxieties, the fears that you and I do, yet he was without sin. He's God in flesh, living a perfect life, but he still goes through everything that me and you went through. He still is scared. He's no, you don't think, I mean, when we look at uh, Jesus, we're going to look at this here in a second. The night before he's arrested, the night of he's arrested, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does he pray? What's in that prayer? He says, if this cup could pass from me, that's in his prayer. You know what that cup is? The cup is God's wrath against sin. You don't think that Jesus was scared about taking the wrath for sin? He was. But he did it for us. So because Jesus became who we are, he needed to pray like we do. He was no longer just God in godly robes. He was now God in human flesh. And so being human meant he was faced with the same weaknesses, the same limitations, the same temptations as we are. So when Jesus prayed, he prayed for the same reasons we do. Here's a couple of them. Here's a couple of reasons why we should be very, very uh, adamant. Not adamant's the wrong word. Just very, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Persistent in praying. That we are persistent in our prayer life. Number one, he needed prayer for strength. He needed prayer for strength. When was, where was Jesus at when he was praying so fervent that he was sweating great drops of blood? It wasn't when he was put on trial before the Sanhedrin, standing before Herod or Pilate. It wasn't while he was being beaten by Roman soldiers. It wasn't while he was carrying the cross to Calvary. It was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Turn to Luke, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. Now, as I read this, I want you to remember, who was Luke? What was his profession? He's a doctor. So Luke knows about medical stuff. He's a medical guy. He knows what's going on. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. It says this, And he came out and went... As was custom to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from the prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So Luke is a doctor. 
And this is literally a medical condition. It's only been documented a couple of times in human history. Um, one was in, in, in uh, who was it? I, I should have wrote it down. I believe it was Leonardo da Vinci wrote about a guy who was under such extreme stress and agony that his sweat became blood. It is a, a, a medical condition called hema, hemodurosis. I think I said that right. I'm not a doctor. But his sweat had blood in it. And under great stress, a great emotional trauma and stress, when you sweat, it can literally, your blood vessels will burst underneath your skin and you will sweat blood. Why was he under so much stress and, and agony in the garden praying? Hebrews 5, 7 says, We're told that he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. He was agonizing over the sin that he was about ready to pay for. He knew he was going to the cross to pay for our sins. Now think about this. If we had witnessed that struggle that night... We may have said, he is so broken up. He's doing all this praying. What will he do when he faces real crisis in his life? If this is how he's acting right now in the Garden of Gethsemane, what's it going to be like if they arrest him and take him to the cross? Why can't he approach this ordeal with calm and the confidence of his three of the uh, disciples who were back there sleeping? We would have probably asked that. Those guys don't have a worry in the world. They're, they're out. They're back there sleeping. He's told them twice, wake up and pray. Yet, look what happened though. When the testing came, Jesus goes to the cross with courage. What do the disciples do? They run. They run. They fell apart and ran. So what made the difference? What's the difference? Jesus prayed. The disciples went to sleep. Jesus prayed. The disciples didn't. So Jesus prays for strength. Listen, when you're going through things in your life, when you are facing temptations and trials and struggles, and life is difficult, pray. Follow the example of Jesus and pray for strength. Lord, give me strength as I'm dealing with this. Lord, be with me and help me. Give me wisdom and strength to face this. Jesus prayed for strength, so should we. Here's the second thing. Jesus prays for direction. When Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, he's in Capernaum. And this is a powerful time in his ministry. People are amazed at his teaching. And people are coming from all around to be healed from demon possession. They're being, coming from all around to hear Jesus preach. He's feeding people. He's performing miracles. He's coming from all around. He's a popular dude right now. Everybody wants to see Jesus. And then in Mark 1.35, it says this, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and he prayed. He, Jesus went out by himself, and he prays. And he's gone so long. He's gone so long praying that the disciples are like, Where's Jesus? What's happened to Jesus? Where's he at? People are starting to show up to see him. And he's nowhere to be found. And they're like, where, where, we got to find him. Where's the guy at? What's up? And then in Mark 1.38, he, he, they go and find him. And Jesus answers them, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So just like that, 
Think about this. Jesus up and decides to leave a totally successful area. A totally successful area. A, pe a place where people are literally breaking down the door to be with him. They are doing whatever they can to be with him. To hear his preaching. To, to, to be healed. They've come from miles around to see his miracle. And suddenly Jesus decides it's time to move on to somewhere else. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because he had spent time in prayer. And the Father had given him direction. He spent time in prayer. He spent time in prayer. He had been involved, basically, with a strategy session with the Father. And when he came out of prayer, he had to set his face towards where he wanted him to go. For the kingdom. His prayer had refocused his purpose. And, and he said, what did he say? That's why I have come. That's another major reason why me and you need to pray. We should talk our plans over with God. To ask His guidance. To seek His will. We as a church always need to be asking God, what does He want us to do? What is His goal? What does He want us to do with the church land? With missions? With mission work? Listen, ask Him, what, Lord, what do you have me do at this church? How can I serve in this local body? What can I do to serve here? What mission would you have me here? We should always be praying about that. And then, you know what else we should remember when we're praying that? It's Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It kind of reminds me of my favorite verse, Mark 8.36. For what is the profit of man if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Hey, without God in the direction of your life, without Him leading and guiding and directing you, it ain't worth it. It don't matter. Unless you're following his plan for your life, it don't matter. It don't matter. I mean, I use Mike and Kim as an example. Man, I, I was tore up when Mike left to go to South Dakota. I didn't want them to leave. But you know what? Mike said, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. We've prayed about this. God is leading us to go. Well, I'm not more important than God. So I got behind whatever they wanted to do. They had been gone about a year. About a year. And I, and I called them quite frequently. We talked probably every week. And I said, hey, you know, if you ever want to come back, you got a place here. Right? And I even, the year before they came, I said, hey, we need help. I need associate pastor, Mike. And he said, I'm not supposed to yet. And I said, okay. I said, if something else, whatever, that's cool. I support you. I said, that's what God's leading you to do. It wasn't until the next year. Right? That's the way it works. You don't want to go where you want to go. You go where God wants you to go. You pray for direction. How can we get him involved in our plans? Pray. Spend time in prayer. When we spend time in prayer, we, we now we can, we can go forward confidently because we know he's directing us. Now, how does that happen? It's not some booming voice from heaven. If you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you're going to know. Before I, I, I've been to this church for eight years. That's not a whole lot of time compared to a lot of guys, but I've been here about eight years. It'll be eight years this year. When I, when I, year one, I had two other churches that wanted to hire me. One had a lot more people than this church. I had 150 people. They, they were ready for me to come back, and I knew. Me and Selena knew. It's in where we're supposed to go. I would come by here during the day and pray in the parking lot. Hey, if this is where you want me to be, just show. Just let work it out. I don't know how it would work out, but work it out. 
And you know what he did? He worked it out. He worked it out. And you, you just know. You don't have the booming voice from heaven. You just have, you just know in your heart that the Holy Spirit's leading you according to his word. Now you can't say, I want to step back here a little, just real quick. You can't say, God's leading me to do something that goes against his word. Right? We know that's the ultimate authority. But God will speak to you in your heart. Right? JP, I can tell people now, right? He, Justin had a I'm calling you out in the sermon in a good way, okay, buddy? Justin had a great job at Holloway America. He was in charge of the drafting department. He got offered another job locally here at Roast Ready Mix. And he said, man, we need to pray about this. And we did. And you know what he said? I said, Justin, what, what's... He said, I know I'm supposed to go. It's what God's telling me to do. I should go. There you go. You change direction. You pray about it, and you know it's what you're supposed to do. You just know you have that in your heart. That's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. Prayer changes us. It brings us into a right way of what God wants us to do. The right path. The right path. Now, so here's the last part. Now I'm going to hurry. How we pray is important. Many people pray with the attention on who? Themselves. They pray with the intention on themselves. Matthew 6, the verses I started with in verse 5. People go into the temple to pray. People would stop and pray on the street corners. What, why would they do that? Because it made them look like we cannot wait to go and pray. They wanted to look good. It was a big show. They wanted to look really religious. And then when they get to the temple... They want to go to the most prestigious spot to pray. I want to make sure that everybody hears me say this amazing prayer. I, I, had, a, I, had, I had one time happen in a church service where somebody told me one time, hey, don't ever call on me to pray. If you need me to pray in front of the church, make sure you warn me about praying. And I, I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but okay. Well... Maybe I'm just curiosity killed the cat, but I asked the guy, hey, I want you to pray next Sunday. And when he said that prayer, it was totally scripted. You remember, Alan Greenfield remembers, totally scripted. I mean, it was like, in fact, I mean, we're supposed to have our heads bowed during the prayer, right? During this prayer, I look over like, what in the world is this dude doing? Because it wasn't from his heart. It wasn't hard. It was, I'm going to write out the most prestigious sounding, amazing prayer in the history of the world because I want to look good. And that's not what it's about at all. We shouldn't be focusing the attention on us. It's not about us. And our society, we live in a society where everybody wants attention. How many followers do you have on Twitter? How many face, Facebook likes can you get? What kind of show can we put on at the church? It all points to a mentality of look at me versus look at Jesus. Everything that we do, our attention should be focused on Christ and not us. Nothing that we do here should be about us. Not the kids' classes, not the youth ministry, not worship, not the preaching. It should all be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. If you concentrate on the form, probably should have saved that story for this one, or the length of your prayers. The problem in reciting the same thing over and over, over and over and over, you're not really praying. What you're doing is you're babbling. Or saying a really long prayer to make yourself more look Christian-like. 
I'm not saying that praying for a long time is bad. Just don't set a time limit. God's going to lead you when you start praying. Don't be a mechanical clock. Pray is like you're talking to him. You're talking to him. You're, you're, you're talking to the creator of the universe. The Bible never teaches us how long we should pray. You know, nobody ever asked Jesus how long I should be praying. And that makes sense, really. Because if I was to pick up my phone and I was to call Denny or Mike or Alan, one of the elders, or any of you, and the first thing I said to you is, hey, good morning, how long should we talk on this conversation? How stupid would that sound? And what would I be, t- what would I be telling them? I really don't want to talk to you. I'm calling you out of obligation. I want to put a time limit. Hey, I've got two minutes and 15 seconds to talk, so go, right? Well, if we wouldn't do that with somebody here, why do we do that with God? Why do we do that with God? We shouldn't do that. It's interesting. Jesus' disciples never ask him how much they should pray. They ask him how to pray. That's it. Matthew 6, 9 through 13 is the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to break it down this morning for the sake of time. Maybe that's next week or another day. I don't know. But he gives us a form in how we should pray. God, you're holy, and I'm not. Be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. Thank you, God, for what you've provided for me. Thank you that you give us what you do. Everything is through you. He gives us this model prayer. Forgive people. Lord, let me forgive others as you've forgiven me. You see, he gives us this model prayer. Guys, I, I don't know what can get you more in step with the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and what he has for your life then you can do it right now and this week by spending time in prayer. It's important. It's important as elders, and we identified it as an area that we need to grow in. So if I need to grow in it, you probably do too. And if you don't, and you're a prayer warrior, please start leading our prayer teams. Okay? Because we need to be more of a praying church. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. My prayer for you all this morning is that we are a church that follows <clears throat> that follows the example of Jesus and spends time in prayer. It's important. We follow the example of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come today and you have something in your heart, maybe it's something in your heart that you have not that you, you need to pray about. You need to pray about. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a sin. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's somebody lost. You have the opportunity. You don't even have to come. You can do it right there from your seat. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for your word. I thank you that we can boldly come before you. We can boldly come before you. That's an honor and a privilege. It's not an obligation. Lord, I pray this morning that we see it as that. We see it as an opportunity, not an obligation. It's an honor and a privilege to get to spend time talking to you. And that our prayer life flourishes. And Lord, that we're a praying church. And you give us direction. And in everything we do, God, we want to point people to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. Good job this morning. Good job, worship team. Thank you. Give him a hand. Where's Cody? Cody, get up here. Making Cody come this morning. So, Cody, I don't know that maybe we do, maybe we don't, but Mr. Cody has joined the Air Force. We, do we have any other Air Force guys here? Cody's the only Air Force guy. Aim high, Air Force, Cody. All right. So who is? Who's back? Marty's Air Force? Oh, man, you're in the crew with Marty now. All right. All right, so hey, this is a big, hey, listen, I mean, we, we like doing this. We have, uh, we have Marines in California right now that are serving from this church. We got somebody who's joined the Air Force. Without their sacrifice, I know many of you are veterans here, without the sacrifice, we can't, the freedom to meet here today. And so I appreciate uh, our soldiers and our airmen and bombs from above, man. I appreciate it. So come around here and congratulate him. Uh, so I'm going to have you stand right there. Brett, come on up here. So uh, I had the opportunity to talk to this young man Wednesday night, and uh, he's he's uh, professed Christ as Savior and been baptized. Um, and that that happened a few years ago, but he's wanting to join our church, and so this is he wants to become part of this body and serve here. And he has an amazing testimony of how God worked in his heart and used to not believe, and now he does. And so I could totally see him teaming up with me and doing some evangelism on some atheists. And, oh, man, we're going to have fun, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. So I want you to stand right here. I want you guys to come around and congratulate him. So here's the thing. If you want to be a part of this local body of believers, we're about ready to start another new member class. It's probably going to be after the wedding in November that we have. We'll probably start at the 1st of December, end of November. Uh, and so what we do is uh, only qualifications to be a member of this church is that you've professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior publicly and you've been baptized. And if you've done that and you want to serve here at this church, that's, listen, that's what going to a church is about. It is not about what kind of programs they have to fit into my agenda. It is about how can I use the gifts and talents that I have to serve the kingdom. It's about serving others. And so, because um, everybody has gifts and talents here that I don't have, and I probably have some that you don't have. And we all fit together, God's Word says, as one many parts of the body, and we serve the Lord together. And so that's what being a member of a church is about. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. If, if you're uh, not a member of this local body of believers, and you've been attending a while, and you want to talk to me about that, please come and see me. Uh, it's an important, a very, very important thing. So do you guys have anything you want to say? You want to sing the Air Force hymn for us? You don't know. You're going to learn it. All right. Anything, Brett? Okay. All right. Um, they're tight-lipped. I understand. Romans 12, 12 is a benediction. It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. So rejoice in the hope. Who's the hope? The Lord Jesus. We rejoice in Jesus. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient. Be patient. I need to be more patient. And then guess what? Be constant in prayer. Be, const be constantly a praying church. Be constantly a praying church. So I did not ask anybody the week before if they would close this in prayer, okay? So this is a total surprise. Jody, close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this day, God, and we just thank you for getting us all here. We just we thank you for your house to, to come together in. Um, I just ask, God, that you just, just help us to communicate with you better, God. Um, just be with us as we go through the rest of this day. Just thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Shower, guys, let's go shoot shotguns.